0: Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob
1: Hi everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody And thank you for pinning into another episode of Carnivorous Couch. Uh, This is the one film a week from Two Film Geeks, and it's a spoiler-full podcast, so uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, which is not The Leopard, which is what we wanted to watch, but uh, somebody who
2: acted uh, like he
1: had it, but didn't explicitly say that he had it, didn't have it, and it was going to take way too long to download it. So we're going to do that for you next week, because it's downloading... Now, and yes, we're awful, awful pirates. Um, and, and, you know, it's from 1963, and it's an Italian film. I don't think they'll mind. Anyway, we got a couple, few special guests here. We got me, Rob, as per normal, and Brady Larson. Hello, folks. We've also got my, my sweet, sweet sister, who's so tired and jet-lagged. Her name is...
3: Mandy.
1: Mandy. <laughs> and then we've also got uh, a reprise from our specialist guest...
3: Uh, Tess. Yes,
1: Tessa Lynn Cox and my girlfriend. Hi there. Named Madeline. <laughs> so anyway, um... i making a
3: lot of noise playing with a tiny
4: dog.
1: Oh yeah, what the fuck's the dog doing? Okay, and we have another guest named I'm Pip, doing... who's a little annoying shit. I don't
4: think he's going to have much to say about this movie. <laughs>
5: really? Uh,
4: I, I think he's might have a
1: little I know how to get him to speak.
4: We might have a little bit of all the, the animal cruelty.
6: Yeah,
5: kind of I think idea. he's happy to live in a world where dogs aren't crucified.
6: Yeah, what movie are we, what are we talking about Citizen, this week?
1: The Holy Mountain.
2: The Holy
1: Mountain. Alejandro Holy Jodorowsky, <laughs> 1973. Very, very disturbingly weird film. Uh, give me one second while I get rid of the.
4: Get rid of him! Like get rid! Like, <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? He'll, t- murder. <laughs> He'll take care. <laughs> He'll take care of it. <gasps> He'll take care.
6: Seriously,
2: because all we'll hear on the mic
1: the entire time is little, just like little toenails, toenails on cl- yeah. <laughs> clicking on the floor. Absolutely, that's all you will hear.
2: Maddie's <laughs> 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 <Money's laughs> like, I want to
4: go where the dog is.
1: So anyway, uh, my sister has flown in from New York, and she's very, very, very sleepy. But she knows a lot about tarot cards and um, um, idiosyn- Adi- esoteric, esoteric, symbol- not idiosyncratic. Idionsyn- syn- yes, esoteric symbolism, Elimiter. and we definitely want her to weigh in on this film because it was crazy jock full of that. Uh, so let's do our normal, normal uh, plot synopsis. at
5: The beginning. Brady, you wanna? Okay. Uh, <laughs> you want oh me to try fine. to race through what I have? Yes, sir. Okay. In the beginning, there was a Shaolin monk, and he shaved two women <laughs> to show that gender is just a construct. Then <laughs> Jesus was mobbed by some children, naked children, <laughs> Mexican, I think, even though I originally thought they were Vietnamese. That was my bad. I thought it was going to be some kind of commentary. Unless they were Vietnamese, they crucified him, and he looked—he didn't look in pain. Yeah, just kind of I amused.
6: don't think they were Mexican. I think yeah. It looks like Vietnamese, right? All right, so
5: Vietnam, Vietnam, mom. <laughs> Vietnam- <laughs>
6: <laughs> so
5: late.
1: viet your mom.
5: <laughs> this is the um, <laughs> and then there was this truck of corpses and crucified dogs. And firing squads shot people, and oil squirted out of them, or black stuff anyway. Uh,
4: black bile. And then
5: the conquest of Mexico was told with iguanas and toads. And uh, at that, that point, e- e- with German music playing over it, because conquest is eternal and the inhumanity of man knows no time, and uh, <laughs> lots of metaphors, maniacal Jesus selling Jesus, Jesus molds, and then Jesus eventually <laughs> realizes Jesus that knows. his way is not the way, and he starts going into <laughs> a more Eastern Illuminati kind of mold, and uh, this Shaolin monk, or he looked Shaolin with the tall hats. You guys know the ones I'm talking about. He's an alchemist. Big hats. Big, wide-brimmed hats with a lot of height to them. And uh, he took him inside. I mean, he basically showed Jesus that he was obsessed with money, and that his money was actually his own fecal matter. And then then we meet, I think, a bunch of uh, people living on different planets in the universe who all, I guess, symbolize human justice in various ways avarice, brutality, whatever. And, uh, and this is all filled chock-a-block with American political, tarot card-related, religious symbolism. And uh, at that point, uh, the monk eventually convinces them to become enlightened and to uh, ascend the holy mountain to learn the wise men's secret of becoming immortal. And then but do they become immortal? They don't. I it's fell all, asleep at that part. I think it's all a movie, and... Uh, Maybe the quest for any kind of answer from religion or theology or whatever is uh, folly, and we must simply seek to break our illusion.
6: Uh,
1: Wow, Brady, that was super... Good. Like, I don't yeah, know how quick, good. how you were able to wrap this movie up in that quickly.
5: That, is that the quickest we've wrapped the plot snap? Yes. And I mean, this is granted, we missed by, some stuff.
1: Well, yeah, this, <laughs> this is by far the, the thickest movie that we've like, ever Like, For
5: example, I didn't even mention bugs or cow sex <laughs> or tarantula attacks or ocelot <laughs> nipples, which is the name oh, of the Oh, wait. My all of those were in the last fan.
1: 10 minutes of the movie, though.
6: <laughs> well,. The movie was crazy because it was like the most. This is done in the 70s, right? But yeah, 1973. It's still like the most graphic and disturbing film I've seen. Oh, they slaughtered animals by like Like, the fucking. Slaughtered lots of animals, lots of decapitations, dysmorphization of body parts, like crazy sexual weirdness, lots Mm. of goo in various forms Mm -hmm. on various people in various places.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think the most co- coherent bits of the film are like the, the beginning bits, um, where we have we basically have like five or different iterations of fascists, and uh, we have uh, Nazis. We have he kind of throws in like American tourists with the fascists, oh, which yeah, is kind like of a, a strong statement.
4: statement. I were, yeah, I mean, I I felt they were like. Supposed to be just like upper class people, like to represent, you know. Yeah.
3: They were pretty clearly Westerners, though. Like they were, they were clearly like Western tourists with Wait, lots of money. Have any of
1: you guys yeah. read the Hunger Games books?
4: That's what I was. I haven't, yeah, but I, they, that was what make, I was thinking. Yeah, of.
1: they make me think of the the rich, good people yeah. and the nice sector in the Hunger Games.
5: In the capital.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah,
5: yeah. I thought maybe he's, you know, a Mexican director. He's like, yeah, Mexico, the place where. Yeah, you know, millions and millions of my people were slaughtered in the place where you take your snapshots, yeah. and they well, happen and simultaneously. simultaneously. And they're all right.
2: wearing
3: really ridiculous, like Chevy sombreros during yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. then the whole
5: thing where
1: he um, he gets, they make a mold of him, and then they start selling things because who, he uh, they make a mold of the thief, uh, the uh, the guy at the beginning. Uh, he meets this dude who's an amputee, like a double amputee, right? Tri- quadruple so, amputee. Yeah, he's, he's like, limbless, like, utterly limbless. Yeah and he oh, just
2: yeah g-
0: mm-hmm.
1: well i think he's a, a
2: dwarf he doesn't have arms, i think he? he's a dwarf no.
1: and he doesn't have hands but he has or, arms or legs he has, he has yeah. very they short legs l- he's able to little walk little people
3: right dwarfism is a medical term they prefer little people right
1: so okay yeah. he, he has dwarfism short, short he is a little stature. person and uh he has no hands but he has stumps
5: yeah i thought he just said stumps not not feet though uh,
1: oh maybe that's so possible
5: I think he's limbless.
1: Okay, and then but our our thief, or our
5: our, our thief who's a Jesus proxy. Uh, I
1: I think he just looks like Jesus, so they decided to make.
5: About yeah, but then a lot of <laughs> the stuff, of a right? lot of the stuff that happens to him, like I felt commented pretty seriously on the follies of Christianity, especially when we are comparing it to a lot of Eastern theology. Yeah, yeah I guess that's true. Wait, that's like actually- his gold is his shit. Like, that that's your problem, is you're, you're all about money, you Western, you know, monotheistic, Judeo-Christian Judeo, religious folk. And really just – because one thing I took note of is he – when he meets that monk in that tower that he climbs, and the monk looks at him in the eye and says, do you want gold? And the Jesus proxy or the thief or whatever is just like, yes.
1: Yes, he's greedy. Like, cut
5: to the chase. Admit what your theology is all about, and then I'll show you a better one.
1: I agree with that. And then <laughs> after that, we get a whole lot of uh, what Mandy, my sister, was describing as uh, esoteric symbolism.
6: Yeah, yeah. The, so that was like, that's actually the reason why I actually kind of liked watching the movie is I've studied a lot of um, about uh, occult symb- symbology and stuff like that. Um, I've done the tarot deck, and then I've just kind of found a few websites that track those symbology in mainstream media it's actually all over the place mm-hmm. in music videos, in um, commercials in music, it's like all over the place in places that you wouldn't expect unless you like kind of looked at it um, and for me the most interesting scene was actually the first scene with um, the monk or he's also known as an alchemist which is a person who works on turning, it's like an alchemist is um,
1: turning lead into gold I turning think lead
6: into gold that was the original thought of an alchemist Moleculi. it's basically yeah.
1: just chemistry right it, well it was, it's a little it's different the mystical vision of chemistry
6: yeah right? exactly turning lead into gold but what, what it really is is spiritual alchemy, alchemy and, and turning the forces of nature into your uh, into your benefit right learning how to work with the forces of nature and doing it through ritual and symbology and what all the symbols mean so it was really cool to see all the symbology in there there's a lot of there's like a lot a lot of it's just not good or bad it's just it's neutral and that's what you want to use with it or how you want to do it um and a lot of the symbols have become um you know, my head associated it with some negativity because people use it for their own personal gain instead of the gain for the world. Anyway, so like when in the opening scene and throughout the movie when especially with the alchemist, you'll see him standing in between two a black pillar and a white pillar. Um,
1: right. Light and dark, the epic struggle, the ongoing struggle.
6: No, it's it actually represents the seen and unseen. Doesn't
1: represent necessarily good and evil. Oh, neat! I had never thought of it that way.
6: Yeah, it's represent the manifest and the unmanifest. So that everyone has a light di- side, everyone has a dark side. Um, something that's revealed to the world, something that isn't revealed to the world. Mm. Um, and so, uh, so it's if you go to Masonic temples, everyone's like, "Oh, it's just a place where people like have clubs and do bake sales." But it's actually alchemy. It's actually a, an occult. Group that
4: studies. I
1: knew
6: it. It's true. That is that is absolute truth. And then you could talk about what it does in
1: political mm-hmm. leadership and stuff. But our but anyway. grandparents are, so our whole dad side of the family are, are all like Freemasons. Yeah,
6: Freemasons. Mm-hmm. At the lower levels, it's it's you know more. Clubby, and at the higher levels, it's don't they require yeah, that you believe in a theistic? believe in
4: huh? Don't they require that you believe in one, like one God? Uh, just a higher power of some sort, but it, you can't believe in a bunch of them. You have to believe there's only one. I think.
6: Yeah, <laughs> it has to
1: the, be monotheistic. The, yeah, yeah, yeah,
6: it's it's really the belief in a higher power, and you can call it your higher self or God or whatever. Um it's something bigger than yourself. If you don't believe in anything like that, then it kind of. Negates the point. So in the film, you know the opening scene. It was really crazy to see, um, you know, that sort of stuff. There's a oh, there's a big lot, big huge motif in that film is the one eye. Um, the all-seeing. Right? The all-seeing eye. So yeah. a big a big thing is the pyramid, and at the top of the pyramid, there's an all-seeing eye. Is that?
1: Related to the light and the dark, the seen and the unseen, but the all-seeing eye sees all. Or? Yeah,
6: it's, it's the eye of providence, right? So it's the eye of God, and um, it's the eye of illumination as well. So it's, that's the Illuminati symbol: is the pyramid with the eye on the top, yeah. and you'll see that on the back of the one-dollar bill. Oh, yeah. Um, underneath it says "New World Order." That's a whole other story. <laughs> so, so, um, but but that eye, that one eye, symbolizes, and you'll see this in music videos. People put it, like li- Lady Gaga videos, she always has one eye covered or one eye with a piece of paint yeah. on it. Mm. Um, you'll see a lot of people oh. do this or this. Um, this is a symbol for the Illuminati. And She's putting and one hand is, over yeah, her eye. Yeah, left hand over left eye. Yeah. yeah, or whichever eye. Um, and it's the symbol for being, being in the know about the spiritual forces that govern us all. Um, and so that's really, in my mind, that was kind of what the film was about. There's uh, also the Star of David, right? There's two triangles. Star of David is two triangles, one pointing up, one pointing down.
1: Right, um, and then link, interlinked, thus making.
6: Yeah, uh, interlinked. It's actually called the Seal of Solomon, and it's bef-
1: so that's six points. It's
6: not five. Six points. Yeah. yeah. There's also the pentagram. So they had pagan, pagan symbolism, Hebrew Kabbalah symbolism. Um, they had the Tao Te Ching symbolism in there, um, and the oh, what's this is for me. Tea. It's tea is tea. It's delicious. Um, the, so the Star of David in the, is actually a triangle that points up, pointing to heaven, and then the triangle points down, that downs to earth, and that is um, what happens above, so and below. And you hear that in Christianity on earth as it is in heaven, and you hear that in the Masonic Creed, which is as above, so below as well. Um,
1: but all this existed long before.
6: Yeah, exactly. This... These kind of esoteric symbols... Oh, and the Egyptians. I mean, the Egyptians are kind yeah. of the start of all this.
1: Oh, yeah, there's lots of eyes in Egyptian... Sort exactly, of the, like Eye of
6: Hor- the Eye of Horus, uh, same thing, right? It's it's all... And so looking at these connected symbols, it's like when you're looking at the film, you see all these symbols from different traditions, and you're like, well, is that, what does that mean? And it's, it's kind of a... Um, It's kind of bringing it to a point. The Alchemist... How I kind of saw the film is... um, Basically... It's crazy. It's a crazy, crazy fucking film. But uh, but, uh, it's showing the people who know... It's like definitely the people who know about how to deal with these forces and use it to their advantage or for good or for evil. For example, those nine people were using it to their own devices to... To control the world. And I think that was a direct allegory to people who really do that in our real life with those things.
1: Well, and then also just all the forces of government, systematic, uh, you know, hierarchies, suppression, suppression. Who gets to do what? Who who's in the know? He didn't know. Who's, who's in the know? Not even so much like who has the power, who has the agency, who has the control. But
6: who has the knowledge? Yeah.
1: One of the thing w- I, before we get too far away from the very beginning. Yeah. And this this might not be a very important symbol, but my favorite symbol in this film is when the people get shot, and uh, he uses a still camera and he takes uh, pictures of, he tucks birds into people's um, jackets or under their shirt, and it allows the birds to come out. Yeah. So basically all we see is quick cuts of just, like, people who have just been shot lying on the ground, and out of them flies birds. And, I mean, I think that's just supposed to kind of symbolize their souls leaving their bodies. Yeah. But there's some really good symbolism beautiful. that.
6: Yeah, there's some really good, w- um, I mean, there's some really grotesque ways of showing Bodily fluids and Should
1: stuff. Not shy away from gr- the grotesque oh, at all. I'm but
6: there was so also some namares. really pretty. There are also some pretty pretty things like jewels falling out of people's mouths and yeah, and
1: uh, jewels falling oh, into woman, people's mouths. The woman
4: mouths. like pulls a bunch of pearls out of her vagina, like eats them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, <laughs> like
1: I almost viewed those as seed, or.
4: They could have been No, I think they were pearls. No, they
1: were pearls. I w- it was explained to me that they were pearls, but I mean I kind of viewed them as like the seed of knowledge, the seed of hmm. new life, the seed of something or other, you know. I didn't view them as pearls although maybe I guess They were sort of per-
4: corn shaped yeah, yeah. <laughs> vaguely. But yeah, I didn't I didn't really
6: get the second part the last part of the movie because I was falling asleep. But what I could see about the film is that is it's, it's the The common allegory that sticks out to me is how man seeks for hid, seeks for hidden knowledge for their own personal gain, mm-hmm. and the destructiveness and insanity that comes from that. You know, that's kind of what I what I saw.
1: I mean, given Brady's uh, plot synopsis, I mean, the way I viewed this film in my quick plot synopsis would be like there are three kinds of people that it talks about. One is, you know, the people who unknowingly. Uh, go about their lives and live in these power structures even though it's un you know that knowledge is not known by them um, and they just kind of participate then there's the second section which is uh, the people who know um, led pretty much by the alchemist who goes i a know a bunch of this stuff and b I know all the people who know and use it to their advantage and use it to kind of Um, control the people who participate but don't know, and then there's the people who um, have participated. Now they know, and um, in the end, they uh, basically what he's trying to do is is bring the people who participate into the know and then allow them to circumvent um, both systems. Don't participate in, in something just unwittingly. Know all about it, and then don't participate in that either and free yourself from the entire thing. Yeah. Which is what I feel like he's trying to drive in, and that's why, like, the film ends kind of rather cheaply with a zoom back camera. Look, reality awaits us all. And you're like, all right, great, dude. <laughs> and so, I mean, like, you can look at that two ways. You could look at it like, yo, uh, this was just a movie hope you enjoyed it
2: <laughs> yeah. or you could look at
1: it like cool so now that i've explained this to you in a movie this is a call to action now implement this in your life right which i think is more what he was trying to get at but it was just so cheaply done and so suddenly done i don't think he quite was yeah. able to um you know bring that out
6: in the way used that, he
5: that same trick in persona but it was a lot more subtle and didn't make such a big show of it and <laughs> maybe worked better and, and worked maybe br- Brady, better
3: Brady and I were both reminded of the end of Monty Python and the Holy Grail
5: Totally
4: yeah that that was almost
1: kind of like a 70s yeah. thing I think was like yo we're watching a movie
4: people were really just getting the, getting a handle it's, on like postmodern kind of stuff around
5: it It's the kind of stuff that would have <laughs> like sent my shit into a tailspin in high school I would have been like you guys need to see this, because at the end, I'm not going to say, but... but is fucking crazy, man. <laughs> he not in high school,
1: Brady. In high school, I think you were wise to that. I think uh, back when you were maybe 14. Uh, uh, man. Early high school.
5: 14, yeah. That, well, my Back ba- when you
1: were riding bikes around on the Iron Horse Trail, and then you stop, and you suddenly say to yourself, I wish I was having sex.
4: <laughs> what?
1: There's something Brady wrote in my yearbook in 8th grade or something <laughs> like that. What the fuck? I don't know.
5: Hey, <laughs> quick tangent, speaking of, of <laughs> being wise to movie tricks, do you guys, did you guys ever have a moment like basically losing your bad movie virginity when, when you finally really realized that a bad movie could exist?
6: Yeah, I absolutely remember yeah. that movie. It's Stir of Echoes.
5: Batman and Robin.
6: Uh, for me, it was this movie called Beyond Borders with Angelina Jolie. I was seeing like a a test screening of it. And it was the most horrible, like, exploitative movie about, oh like, God. this girl going to the United Nations and finding love in, like, Cambodia. and like. Oh, wait,
1: wasn't that movie released under a different title?
6: Yeah, it was changed a lot. But, like, uh, it, it was, was called, um,
1: I know exactly what you're.
6: Yeah, and it's like, there's, like, kids dying and star of starvation, but it's, like, all this backdrop for, like, oh, he's not, like, calling me back. that sounds awful it was just horrible it was a horrible horrible film anywho so um, this particular film like you were saying about the ending how um, how they like broke the fourth wall and it was like reality awaits you blah 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 Um, it's funny because it kind of mirrors my own path with learning about the esoteric knowledge stuff because part of me really wants to be like ooh I could totally like get into this and, and like be an alchemist and turn lead into gold and be one of those people. But um, it's like, it's kind of like like tapping into the matrix and tinkering with something kind of bigger than yourself that you don't really know much about. So it's just, I kind of liked that thing, like live your life, stop fucking around with this stuff that's kind of crazy and pretty pretty gnarly. Yeah, and th- go, go. Enjoy reality.
1: I think this film <laughs> might have actually been trying to say the opposite, though, which was like, "Don't you realize that you're not really understanding the real it?" But and this is something you and I have talked about in our personal conversations, where I've always been like, "Oh no, no, there's totally like like a thing going on that's outside of this reality that's like, you know, kind of like the what what we what we know and what we don't know, and like different forces at sway." Kind of reaching their tendrils into our reality, and basically us not even knowing how much we influence the outside world, and yeah, there's a lot. Um, But right now we just yeah. But right now we just exist in this three and a half dimensions.
6: (laughs) Half. Where's the half?
1: Time, which goes oh. forward but not backwards. We can see forward in time. We can see backwards in time, but we can't see forwards in time. I, I view it as a half dimension. We can only
4: travel forward Yet. in time. As well. We
1: can only travel forward in time, but we can only see backwards in time. We can't see forwards in time.
4: Ooh, that's that's interesting. So
1: that's the way, reason I look at time as a half dimension. But anyway, let's live in these three and a half dimensions <laughs> and not worry about all the crazy shit that we are currently not capable of perceiving. Exactly, because you're tra- just
6: going gra- to drive yourself crazy yeah. and you might fuck something up. <laughs> and, and
1: you're not going to be able to, like, have a good, nice, life in this don't worry when you die or when you have lived before in the past which is time which is space which doesn't really exist and we can get into that sometime too um don't worry that uh that's for another it's, yeah, it's that's your, for another existence it's, a, it's above just it. wait till that other it's a, existence
6: it's above your head And my friend lauren kind of said it like this it's like you know, you're a dragonfly kind of floating along a pond, and, like, if you get too close to the water, you'll just get sucked under with
1: all the crazy.
6: Like this movie. Ooh. That's kind of how I felt, like, watching this movie. Yeah. Here's, here's
1: <laughs> all the stuff that's going on. Great movie. Don't tell me. People don't need to know this shit, okay? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's just live our lives, and uh, it's not ignorance so much as it is. Come on. <laughs> like let's let's enjoy the finer things of let's, this life and not worry about other lives. Let's
6: do what we can. But yeah, there's th- kind of this
4: um like almost Lovecraftian kind of thing going on there where like you're seeing terrifying. you're seeing like these horrors that you're not supposed to see and you know, if you come back from that, you're never gonna be okay again. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I feel
1: I feel you like if they were allowed to, they would have used ahead. like human sacrifice and sh- like they used a lot of shit that was okay in the '70s. Like they killed a lot of animals in this movie. And More I-
4: animals than were killed in Milo and Otis. There were animals killed th- in Milo and Otis. They like killed a lot of cats and I don't. Pugs. I don't know. Do you think? Yeah. It's not an American
2: movie. Yeah, Otis. So they,
1: didn't, they, they got around. There were uh, lots laws. of Otises, and there were lots
2: of <laughs> there Milos. There milos.
4: were way more Milos. There were like a hundred and three of those kittens. <sighs>
2: guy's I I just needed a place to to, to, crash. I'm I'm so sorry. I just needed a
6: place to crash. And I (laughs) love that movie,
2: but I
1: can't. Oh, by the way, I remember one time that we got into a fight, and dad was about to take us to take one video, and we were going to rent Milo Milo and Otis for the fifth time. And like, dad was like, nope, you guys were fucking fighting again. I'm sick of this shit. You're not going to take one video. You don't get to rent a movie. And I was like, but we.
4: (laughs) My <laughs> Isn't that
1: crazy? That, like, our, our kids will never have that. Our kids oh, will video
4: ne- stores? No. 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 They won't get no, to No, it'll go. just be
1: like, Dad, please buy off iTunes this thing again. <laughs> and I'll be like, I think you're talking to a different dad because I steal my shit.
6: (laughs) 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 But we don't tell you where daddy's files are. (laughs) We don't tell you where daddy's files (laughs) are. Why are are
3: all daddies? Mostly you you can't. You can't can't, can't tell them where mommy's files are. (laughs) 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 I'm a little bit more worried
5: about that. That All right, so what do you think? Is it time to hey, hey, hey? Yeah, let's... Uh, oh, right. Yeah, no. Uh,
1: I guess we've had a lot of conversation, but we did skip a very important segment, which is... Hey, 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 how do we like it? Oh, God. And this is where we talk about how we like the film. Um, I I like this film. <laughs> I, I like it mostly not to sit down and watch it, but to put it on the background of a party because there's very little talking and you don't really need to hear what's going on. But if you just put it on the background, people go like...
4: Fuck. <laughs> Is this? Yeah, the, well that was why we watched piece. it, right? Cuz it's for it's Halloween time, so we were watching it for Halloween time. Right.
1: Well, we were going to watch it next week for Halloween time, but then it because of the whole uh couldn't find the movie we wanted to watch the thing.
4: That happens. It's the 20th day of Halloween. We're good.
1: So so I liked it. I thought it was very interesting. Uh I don't like the ending. Like I said, I like the first I like the first maybe 45 minutes before they even start talking about the uh, the people and who ha- run the different planets before they form the the ten people who then go out and go through all the rebirth issues issues and uh, issues Oh rituals rebirth rituals and then try to climb the holy mountain and find out what's really going on I, I like before all that part I like the hey look this is how society is this is look at look at this symbolized fucked up view of society. I li- I like that part. But I don't like the ending, and I kind of wish I could just cut up the first maybe twenty-three scenes and just put them on montage.
4: Well, I what <laughs> I, what
6: I liked about the film? Whoa. What I liked about the film is uh, the symbolism, as I mentioned, because I knew what it meant sort of, and it made me feel smart, which is kind of mm. fun. Oh, that was fun. but uh, and
2: don't let me forget.
1: There's one scene I want you to talk about. Okay, yeah,
6: yeah. Well, what scene? What is it?
1: Uh, it's the scene where he gets the sword and the cup. And
4: uh, the, uh, oh, the yeah. tarot deck. Yeah, yeah the tarot, tarot the ta-
6: suits. Yeah, and there's stuff about tarot in it, too, which our, our brother Alec has gotten me into. Um, there's a lot of symbolicness regarding the tarot in this actual um, in this actual movie. The The main guy, actually, in my head, is the fool. Yeah,
4: I was thinking that. Which yeah. is the first card in the tarot deck,
6: and... Then the Major Arcana of the Tarot deck, there's, tw- I forget how many cards. I think 20, and mm-hmm. it shows. It's really a story of the journey of the Fool that goes from no- not knowing to meeting people with knowledge and getting knowledge and having experiences, and then coming to a full circle with the world at the end of the Major Arcana.
1: Yeah, I um, keep calling him the thief, but yeah, you're right. It is the Fool.
6: And um, mm-hmm. there the is
4: a thief, is I think. Isn't there a thief in the it's card deck. No, 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 it's know? the he's same.
1: It's the same guy. He later becomes known as the thief. Like I think the alchemist calls him a thief or something like that.
4: Yeah, but
6: he's a uh, the the full and the alchemist is actually the magician who represents um, knowledge over forces and being able to control your situation and and manifest things really really well. Um, a lot of the symbolism that he was sitting with was red and wh- black and white. Uh, columns and all that is actually if you look at the card of the um the empress was it the empress I don't know, it might be the empress or the apprentice no it's a, it's a woman mm-hmm. it's a woman card um and it's uh, uh she she's, she represents you know the shadow side and hidden knowledge and things like that um and but yeah, so there's a scene where they talk about the tarot and how the tarot um, can guide you to learning more about how the world works. And I love the tarot. I, I love it because I, you know, in my my world, I f- I feel like I have a good relationship with the cards, and I I get really really good advice and and predictions from it. But just from a very practical level, it's a great psychology tool because
2: mm-hmm.
6: you read whatever you want to read into the cards. Yeah, so you can just put them there and just you know, whatever's popping up in your mind is, is right. free association. And it's like kind of a good jumping off
4: point for, you know, it's like psychology you aren't supposed and stuff. are to read your own cards. Yeah. I, know, I mean, I know everyone I know that has a deck Actually, reads their I, own can cards. I, can I jump in the
1: rules, man? The, but. I think this oh, wait, 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 we have to get into how Tess liked it.
5: Oh, wait, oh. Okay, Brady, how, how did you like it? Because something Mandy <laughs> said is sort of, I think, sort editing's of my trying to evaluate <laughs> what I think of this movie. Um, so like you say... Tarot cards are a really cool and valuable thing and a valuable psychological tool because they allow us to bring our own baggage, to bring our own thoughts and insights into them, Mm -hmm. and we can use that to improve ourselves and jump off. Uh, That said, tarot cards aren't a work of art, and this movie is. So what I want to know and what I'm wrestling with is, is it enough that this movie is inspiring? I mean, I think it's definitely worth something that this movie is inspiring, I think, an interesting theological, psychological discussion. Is that alone enough to redeem it from maybe some more uh, incoherent elements? Is it enough Mm -hmm. to throw a lot of interesting elements a lot of interesting theological references out there that get people talking, which is obviously (laughs) very valuable, without maybe completely nailing the landing in terms of knitting them together? And does this movie even do that? I mean, maybe I'm being too harsh. It's and not. Even saying I don't
6: that. believe it's meant to be linear and make sense. I think it's so symbolic um, that there are symbols and stuff we saw, and and stuff in there we saw that may only make sense to like 50 people or a couple thousand people who are like super into that stuff and really right. know it. Yeah, it's, and that said, it, it's kind of like like Naked Lunch with William mm. Burroughs, and it's just like all this crazy like. Free association, indie film stuff, but like I, I liked it for the symbol symbolism and everything, but I yeah I didn't like the the violence and the grotesqueness and just right. the, the shock factor. I mean, it's crazy. If I it's like really never seen a film like that. Uh, so it's definitely not for the faint of heart. Really. It
5: was no, it was very goopy. It's very goopy. So okay, d- just to be on the record, I, I'm yeah. gonna say that I I do like it, and, and even in those because i think rob's right uh, and weirdly paradoxically actually the more it talks i think the less coherent it is mm-hmm. those largely silent parts with yeah. the uh, at the beginning way more speak way more to me than the later parts but that said i even found parts in the later half to actually say something so it's not fair to call this movie completely incoherent like i thought it was interesting when they almost get sucked into this bar kind of like it made me think of the odyssey that island where they get turned into pigs And and they're sort of being tempted by people who think they have their own take on enlightenment. One guy thinks that drugs is all you need to get enlightenment. Another just is this strong man who's able to pass through walls. And, you know, so he's very strong on one level, but he's unable to progress vertically at all. I thought all that stuff was interesting. So I definitely liked it, Um, though, you know. I do think there are elements where it's a bit spotty.
1: I, I mean, it's certainly an art film. It's not a. It's not yeah. a typical narrative by any any stretch it's of anything. Not really meant to be. I don't need
5: typicality. I mean, I just saw 2001, which is gets very out there at times, but is always completely on point with where it's going. I thought at times this, even while being an art film, had sloppy portions. Yeah, this guy agree, this guy was definitely not Stanley Kubrick.
6: Let's just right, say right. that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, speaking of Kubrick, if you want to see a movie with a bunch of occult esoteric symbolism, watch Eyedwise Shut. Oh
1: yeah. I still need to see it. Yeah. Oh man, that watch is Weiss Weiss Shut. Ri- That is a that is a crazy movie.
6: Yeah, it's 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 talking about, you know, secret society parties that involve really dark ritualistic stuff that actually does happen.
1: Here's how you know that movie is a really good film. Uh, I've never seen you, it. I've never seen it, actually. Oh, I've, I've seen it all the way through. And I, I think I rented it back when Blockbuster was still in business. Uh, but that <laughs> that film... Oh, no, no, no. I rented it from Cedar Street Video in, in Santa Cruz. Um, I do recall.
2: <laughs> but that film
1: makes you forget that Tom Cruise is in it. Like, the fact,
2: <laughs> like
1: the fact that Tom Cruise is in it nice. like, doesn't bother you at all. Halfway through the film, you're like, oh, man, this guy is going through a l- Oh, it's Tom Cruise. Oh, how, how is he not distracting God, me? Not
6: annoying.
0: And
1: how is he so tall? <laughs> oh, wait, he's not tall.
6: It's movie magic.
1: I guess black
5: makes you taller.
6: Movie magic. <laughs> um,
5: <laughs> Rob, let's hear a Tom Cruise impression. I, d-
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I just. Show me the money!
2: <laughs> God.
4: Okay, Um, I. I didn't really like this movie. Um I it was too it was too viscerally difficult for me to watch. Um I didn't like all the dead animals and stuff. Um
0: Oh my god, the animals. I didn't
4: really I didn't really I didn't really get it. Um I don't I didn't and I didn't care to get it. Like I found that I was bored buy it and you know i'm turning away from the screen so often to avoid seeing all the gross stuff that you know halfway through i just like don't even care what's
5: going on anymore
4: it didn't yeah i didn't like it i didn't like it
5: how about maddie oh
3: i actually i i'm usually really sensitive to movies and that's why i'm not typically a part of Carnivorous Couch because I get Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable really easily um, (laughs) from films. Um, But I love this movie. Oh, cool. Um, It's really grotesque. It really, really delves deeply into the abject. And I sort of wish that they had made it in a way that was more conscientious about cruelty to animals because it's pretty fucked up to animals. But I... And it's definitely problematic in a lot of ways. It's, you know, it's... You know, it shows it's roots in being made by probably a pretty privileged like male dude who doesn't have to worry so much about all the stuff that's going on around him. It comes from that point of view, but, and it, and it really, I don't know, it addresses things in a really strange way, but I can see what he's going for with the, the animal eviscerations and stuff is that he's really trying to get at how brutal life is in as artistic a way as he possibly can and so he's thinking like well i can't actually kill people on screen clearly Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i'm Mm -hmm. gonna have these eviscerated animals because we have all of these animals that we eviscerate for food all the time anyway um and he deals a lot with like the the sort of like disintegration of bodies in different ways you know instead of people go in front of firing squads and have paint shot out of them instead of blood but then he also has you know like police officers dumping blood and shooting hoses of blood at protesters and has different things like animals like rob was mentioning earlier animals come out of the orifices made by the bullets or different like foods sort of disgorging themselves onto the pavement to to represent artistically and sort of like more disturbingly and viscerally you know, affecting than a lot of like fake blood in really mm-hmm. violent gore movies. Yeah. Even though oh you yeah, can tell I mean that it's clearly not real, it's it because it is it is physically real, even though it's not like an anatom- anatomically realistic. It's really, really disturbing. It makes it
4: almost gro- like grosser and weirder yeah. in a way that not yeah. something you expect, right? Yeah, yeah. it's well,
6: like it a disturbing situation, and then on top of that, unexpected stuff.
4: I kind of assumed that a lot of that was like, like you know how that, like the, the the four humors, the different colored bile's. I thought oh. that was kind of what some of that stuff was supposed to be, but I don't know. I can't tell you a single thing that happened in that movie. <laughs> well, there's the
5: one early part where a firing squad shoots people and black fluid comes out. I was wondering if that was in any way an oil commentary.
2: Hmm. I don't
3: know because right after that, there's blue, and then there's another color yeah. too.
5: Right. Yeah, that's true. So
3: I don't know about that, but. Um, and then, but then it's I also really. I thought that really was a
1: race commentary, hmm. like all colors and breeds of people.
3: But then it's mm-hmm. also really like strikingly beautiful in a lot of places too, um, like there's a lot. The sets are really great. Really um, nice shoes. Really nice. Everybody's wearing really great platform shoes. Um, yeah, yes. they have really good footwear in yeah. this movie. So <laughs> it's. It, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. It's really problematic in a lot of ways. Um, but I overall, I really enjoyed it.
1: All right. Well, that's great. That finishes our segment of, hey, 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 how do we like it? And it uh, <laughs> you know looks like we got a pretty good uh, diverse opinion on there. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take a little break and go to our uh, little segment called Rank It. Thanks. Rob,
4: you were talking about Cedar Street video, and you're telling her to wrap it up? <laughs>
2: RANK IT! RANK IT!
1: RANK IT! RANK IT! RANK IT! BITCH! Alright everybody, hi everybody, hi everybody. Welcome to our segment called RANK IT, BITCH.
4: Was it recording?
1: Yeah. Been recording this whole time. (laughs) Shoot. So anyway, uh... In this segment, we rank something new each week. Uh, This week, we're ranking our top ten Pixar films. We have several people with us this time around. We have myself, of course, Rob. We have Brady. Hi. Your carnivorous couch host. Carnivorous (laughs) couch. Carnivorous Carnivorous couch co-hosts. So we have no host. We just have two co-hosts. And then we also have specialist guests. Madeline Covey, my girlfriend. And Tessa Lynn Cox, Brady's girlfriend.
4: Yeah, Girlfriends are here.
1: Girlfriends today. are here. And they have opinions about uh, Pixar films, although they might have found it more difficult than us. Hardcore, easy to eliminate sort of lines, dudes. I'm, I'm pretty dude.
5: embarrassed at how ingrained in my brain this list is.
1: Brady's probably already made this (laughs) list. Yeah, he's probably already made this list like six, seven, eight, nine (laughs) times.
5: I'm like an old crazy man. (laughs) It's like, you want to know my (laughs) Pixar ranked list? Well, I'm so glad you asked.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm here in my wallet. So, uh, why don't we go around and say our number 10? Uh,
4: Who's going first?
1: I'll go first. My
5: number 10 is Toy Story 2. All right. Uh, my number 10, I might be wrong on this. I'm, I'm almost, I think, proving a point because I think it needs room to grow. Uh, I made A Bug's Life miss so I could put Brave at 10 because it needs time to age, and I think it's a flawed film, but I like what it did with mother-daughter issues, and I just wish there was less bear slapstick.
3: Okay, my number 10 is Toy Story 2 just because it's the one that I saw sort of the most recently of any things on my list.
4: And so it's the one that I've sort of connected with the least, I think. Um, Number 10, uh, firmly at number 10, Brave also. Yeah, a lot of bear slapstick.
1: Okay, anyway, let's go on to number 9. Nah. I guess I'm going first. So, um... There was no need to elongate that syllable, but it was fun. Anyway, my number nine
5: is Cars.
4: You've seen Cars?
5: <laughs> yeah, I saw out with my mom. Uh, well, my number nine—this one kills me because I have nothing but immense fondness for this movie. But uh, as I thought about it, I had to. <laughs> Rob is telling me to enunciate. You better watch out, or I'm going to do no, my. No, I'm just L. giving Jones a
1: impression. guess at it. I'm uh, uh, trying to get you to read my list.
5: No, it's it's Monsters Incorporated. A movie oh, wow. very, very dear to my heart. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, as, as I was looking over this, it's just... It doesn't have as much going on thematically, maybe, as you these other You damn ones. crotchety old man. I know. But, yeah, I mean, I can't say a single negative word about it.
3: Okay. So, Rob and I are on the same page. Miraculously, Cars is also my number nine. Um, again, I really like all of the movies on this list, and I, I really liked Cars. I thought it was heartwarming and, and you know beautifully animated, but... Again, it's, I guess it's, for me, the overall themes, too. It's just not a theme that I super related to as much as the other Pixar movies that are higher on my list. We're going to be together forever. <laughs> also, I hate driving. Yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, I have, at number nine, um, I'm pretty sure I want to say Toy Story 2, um, though it's, it's tough, because I really, really do like Toy Story 2. Um, Though the middle one the middle movies and trilogies are often like either they're the best or they're the weakest. And you know, you just kind of get that repeat of, you know, the kind of story you had in the, the first one and it does do that kind of thing.
1: All right, so moving on to number eight, Brave. Brady?
5: Number eight Toy Story.
1: What? Oh, yeah. No, no. no,
5: I've gone back and watched it. Uh, And I know we're trying to expedite, but I'll say a quick thing just to – Yeah, please do
1: because number eight, Toy Story, really?
5: Okay, yeah, because for one thing, and this is maybe unfair, but it's still a criteria that we should take into account. If you look at the two films visually, uh, Toy Story looks pretty – I mean, it's a beautiful film, but compared to Toy Story 2, the visuals in Toy Story 2 are just so, so much more beautiful and I think there's more imagination with that Sarah McLaughlin piece and, uh, you know, the, the character of Jesse the cowgirl getting left behind. But the big thing is that I'm going to say to Tessa's point is I feel like there are two different kinds of storylines that happen in all the movies. Um, well, not all the movies, but th- there's always an element of rescue. Mm-hmm. And Tessa's right. But the thing is, Toy Story 2, I thought, had that. But it also has, I think, the bigger theme of the series that only finally reaches its fruition in Toy Story 3, is which is... that the is, pizza?
1: Is that the pizza? Finish your statement, Brady.
5: I think Toy Story 2 is, a, is the deeper movie than Toy Story because mm. we finally get that examination of mortality, which is, to my mind, what the series eventually became about.
1: Great. Okay, well, we're going to be back with the finishing this after a little short break. We're so sorry we couldn't get the
0: actors to do the scene from this screenplay but we've got two understudies and to be honest they're probably more famous anyway so try to guess the actors try to guess the movies tweet us at c-a-r-n-y couch this game called understudy is happening 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 right now
4: well Foster's jets around at the taxpayer's expense. His constituency wall is collapsing and he doesn't give a shit.
0: Uh it doesn't say that.
4: No, but it does say Wallace and Gromit.
0: Wallace, though.
4: You're being portrayed as the biggest twat in Northamptonshire. I've got bigger fish to fry, believe me. I'm giving this to somebody else. Jamie!
1: Uh the Crosset Man in Scotland?
5: Well, if it isn't Humpty Numpty. Uh, what if this surround bullocking? Hey, with due respect, I haven't finished. If it isn't Humpty Numpty sitting on top of a collapsing wall like some clueless egg cunt, now I'm finished. Hi, uh, Jamie? This is Toby. Oh, hum, Toby Toby Rice. I'm Simon Zade. Hey, hey, boo, boo. Ah, hi, Toby. Toby, very very pleased to meet you. Please, sit down. All right, that's enough of all the fucking Oxbridge pleasantries.
4: What's Oxbridge about saying hello?
5: Shut it, love, actually. You want me to hole-punch your face?
4: Right, I'm off to deal with the fate of the planets. Be gentle with them.
5: Oh, you know me, Malk. Kid gloves, but made from real kids. Right, butch and gay dance, this wall story's playing badly. There's a cartoon of you, and here's a walrus.
1: Uh. A walrus? I'm not fat. Uh, I don't even have a mustache. Fuck.
5: Uh, They've given me tusks. Walrus. Yes, I. uh, No. You get it? Walrus. Walrus.
0: That was understood. Tweet us your answer at C A
1: R N Y Cow. Hey everybody! Sorry about that. We're back from our break after paying the pizza man. Hey, by the way, twenty-five dollars on pizza is four bucks enough to tip the pizza man?
3: Maybe we're jerks. I hope
5: we're not jerks. Most yeah, it'll be okay. Probably don't I, tip. I,
1: I feel mm-hmm. that's like one fifth. What are you talking about? Everybody tips the delivery hey, one, guy. One fifth,
5: fifteen percent. Uh, one fifth is twenty percent. So right? That's... Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like okay. A, yeah, yeah. So,
3: so yeah. So twenty-six dollars. We paid him four dollars. I think that's a reasonable tip. And we I guess paid...
1: that's one sixth. So it's slightly over.
3: So it's between it's between fifteen and twenty percent. That's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And we paid them in cash instead of putting it on the card, so that's good too. Okay. Anyway, pizza time. Um, so mine is Monsters Inc., um, which is a really really great movie, and it's totally adorable. The little girl in that movie is like mind bogglingly cute, and. Like the monsters, the guy who the guys who voice the monsters are awesome. Billy Crystal and who's the other guy? Mom, the
4: John Goodman? John
3: Goodman. Well yeah, I love those guys. Jesus. I don't know why it's so low on my list. It's just <laughs> I don't know. They're all so great, it's really hard to pick. Um they're all great. Whatever. <laughs> Screw
1: it. it, Tess.
4: Oh, which one are we on now? We're still number on eight. eight? On eight. Um Oh, Incredibles. I thought it was interesting and playful, but I just kind of wasn't, you know, as superhero mythology stuff goes, it didn't grab me.
1: Uh, anyway, should we move on to number seven? Yep. All right. This is the one I switched. I switched seven and eight, and now seven is Now a Bug's Life, and of course my eight was brave. So,
5: All right. No, number seven for me, Toy Story 2.
3: So, mine's Incredibles. No, so, this is where my list, like, the other ones I love, but this is where the list is, like, movies that, like, I sort of, like, identified with more closely start, good. I guess. And the Incredibles I, I really like just because it's a really, it's probably the best film adaptation of the Fantastic Four that there is. Because, you know, that that's one with point, Jessica Alba was actually. pretty bad. Um, so, that's, that's, and I don't know, like, for me comic books, superheroes mean family because my dad is such a big nerd. So I really love The Incredibles. All
1: right, Tess.
4: Um, We're on number seven. Yep. Mm -hmm. Number seven is Up.
1: Really? Seven Up.
4: Mm -hmm. Um, I know everybody. Just so you can
1: make that joke or just so Brady could. No,
4: what? Seven Up.
1: (laughs) We collaborated on this.
4: Oh, my God. Uh, I'm a comedy genius. Um, All right.
1: Cruising right along, number my number six. uh, That'd be me, Rob. Uh, It's Monsters Inc.
5: Number six, it is Toy Story
3: three. Mine is Brave. Brave is higher up on mine than everybody else's, just because I was so elated for them to finally have a female protagonist. And when I went to go visit Pixar, that I got, I got to go like with a class that I was teaching on a field trip. They were still working on it, and I got to see like the secret, you know art up on their walls about it and stuff and it was really neat and also I know it's not like one of those perfect Pixar movies because some of the ones that are lower on my list are perfect Mm -hmm. but it's I don't know it's just so great having a female protagonist Mm -hmm. and I really love Merida and I think that she's an amazing character to be out there in the world for girls to relate to Alright,
1: Tess Um, Number
4: 6, also um, Toy Story 3
1: Uh, I'm going to go with number Five.
5: Good. That's what. That's what's next numerically.
1: Toy Story three.
5: All right, there it is.
1: I think it's a good movie.
5: Number five, uh, Up. It's great. Uh, ask me on another day, maybe I could even. Oh well, no, I, I think Up is solidly at five, but everything about it is pretty much perfect. The stuff that I like initially didn't jibe totally well with me on first viewing. That's pretty much been steamrolled over. Like I, I don't mind the flying dogs and all the goofiness because I think. That it casts a beautiful shadow on everything else, so all the adventure and spectacle isn't empty.
3: Um, so my next one is Finding Nemo. Um, that's your number five. My, that's my number five. Um, and it's great. I don't know. I'm glad they're making a sequel.
1: What is the sequel? Finding Dory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh.
3: Ellen I
4: generous. I, love I her. was just
1: joking, but uh... it
4: is. No, Finding you Dory. you nailed it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, number five. This one also, I sw- i ended up swapping around. I was really having some trouble with my top five solid five decided monsters inc and um this is a movie that i put off watching for a really really long time i was not that into pixar movies um (gasps) when when they first started coming out and i just didn't like the way that Monsters Inc. looked like from the commercials. I was like a little put off by it, and the, t- putting it in my top five is kind of my apology to Monsters Inc. Is you know what? I finally sat down recently and I watched it, and I absolutely loved it. There's it's it's warm, it's funny. That little girl is adorable. Um, I do I really want to see the sequel. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a fantastic movie. Solid top five.
1: Cool. Uh, moving on to number four, Finding Nemo.
5: All right, okay. ready. Number four, uh, The Incredible. and and this one I wrestled with for my number three because uh, I think I really I, Brad Bird is something that's more important than Pixar to me. Like he's his own talent, and so the two Bird films, one of which will come up later, have their own like really rigorous like intellectual quality that's. So like different, and I think he just works boldly while still uh, maintaining that Pixar vibe. And I love Michael Giacchino as his uh, score collaborator. So I think it's an intelligent movie about about our place in the world.
3: Okay, so mine, my number, we're on number four. Number four. Yep. Mine is Toy Story three, which is so. I love Toy Story three. It made me cry. It Mm. was amazing. It was filled with pathos and like I don't know. It was phenomenal. But so, the, but my top three are the ones that I tell people that they absolutely need to watch. That's
4: interesting. Mm-hmm. My um, if you're, you're done, my number four is um, Toy Story, and I, I was and I was talking to Brady about why it's so high on my list, um, and it does have to do a lot with what it did for, uh, just the, the medium of of two of three D animation in general um as from like a film history standpoint it's it's vital um and one of the things that i think is really really important to note about it is that it um fledgling you know 3d animation at that time um toy story did a wonderful job of understanding and using its limitations so, um, it, you know, because they couldn't do realistic-looking people, they decided to do realistic-looking toys, and because of just, like, the the brilliant idea to use that as their main characters because of what the technology was able to do at that time is just, just you know, my hat's off
5: to that.
1: Number three, Toy Story, for all those things that Tess just said, as <laughs> well as video games that came before it, Brady.
5: Number three is Finding Nemo. Uh, and I'll try to make this quick, but the interesting thing with Finding Nemo is, uh, whereas I respect a lot of very intellectual stuff with some of the Pixars, this one I always end up giving way too short shrift because I'm like, oh, well, it's really good and deeply emotional. And it's just about, you know, what it's like to lose someone. Uh, but like, it pursues the pathos of that and the gravity and the heartache so well. I, I would even go so far as to say that opening scene trumps Bambi in terms of the sense of loss we feel.
3: My turn. Maddie
5: Sorry, Stern, Number three.
3: Okay, so my number three is up. Um, because it absolutely destroyed me when I saw it. I was sobbing after the first ten minutes, of course, because things always make me cry, and things that make other people cry extra make me cry. <laughs> and
1: then I held her sweaty, tear-filled, clammy hand.
3: I wasn't clammy. I can <laughs> cry with Why were there boy. tears Wait, in you her you hand?
1: Were, <laughs> <laughs> you were clammy with tears and other (laughs) snot (laughs) whatever (laughs)
3: probably snot
2: um (laughs) 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 yeah
3: no it's really good um and yeah i love the dogs they're adorable now i have a dog and dogs are really like that um dogs
4: are really like that
3: (laughs) and and i don't know i i really like um the actor who plays the old man whose name i'm totally blanking on right now Mm, ed asner ed asner i hate spunk um <laughs> yes! Mary Tyler Mary Moore. Tyler Moore. I love Ed Asner, And I also I love him in Freakazoid too. So oh, yeah. He's he's great and the little kid is nice. adorable. And it ends at Fenton's, which is a wonderful nod to the
4: Bay Area. Number three. I just swapped this too. This top three was really difficult for me. Um I'm going to go with Wally as my number three. Um, but when Wally came out, uh it was probably my number one at the time. Um, and it's, you know, since I've had time to think about it, uh, I rank it a little bit lower for lots of reasons, but it's gorgeous. Um, it's a very, very simple story that's told exceptionally well and, you know, visually really very interesting. And the whole story is basically just like John Marsha, That's the story, but it's, It you know and you got it stars a hipster robot. I mean, what can I say? So wait, that's your
1: number three.
4: Number three, Wally.
1: Okay, on to number two.
5: For me, up because of all those things Maddie said. Ready? For me, going back to Brad Bird, Ratatouille, uh, just unbelievable. total leap forward in terms of graphics.
1: That's in my I didn't see it side.
5: Uh, Yeah, me too. I really want to see that. Basically, anytime I return to this, I'm staggered by how many different things this thing is and is perfectly. It's one of the most perfect recent like 1930s-style screwballs you'll ever see. Mm. It's perfect about food. It's about art. And it has the... Because obviously Rob and I are film podcasters, so we care a bit about critics, or I do. It is, for me, the definitive kind of (laughs) mission statement on the role and the limitation of the critic in
1: art. I'm the definitive critic. Anyway, uh, Maddie, number two.
5: It stinks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Her number two one stinks, but she still ranked (laughs) at number two and it is.
3: I'm sorry. I love the critic. Um, So my number two is Wally. Just because it, it was at the time and it still is very timely you know the environment is screwed up and people spend way too much lo- time looking at their little screens instead of at each other and all that stuff and it's absolutely gorgeous and i don't know it's amazing and i think everybody ought to see it
4: oh um rob was looking at number his number 2 is finding nemo and um i almost put it at number 3 and then i was like you know what it's it, it's the movie that made me appreciate Pixar's films. Like, as I mentioned, when they first started coming out, I was like, eh, you know, I wasn't on the boat. And then I went and saw Finding Nemo, and I just fell in love with it. And um, so Finding Nemo is number two, mainly because it's the movie that made me realize how great Pixar is.
1: <laughs> yeah, once I saw Finding Nemo,
0: I was on the boat, <laughs> on the boat. Touch the boat. Everybody look. <laughs>
1: enough of that. My number one, I think everybody knows what I'm gonna say. It's it's fucking Wally, come on. <laughs> it's like Buster Keaton robot. Mm-hmm. Like
2: yeah. the hipster fucking robot <laughs>
1: Buster Keaton robot. Buster Keaton Robot. That's would be why a hipster. I love him. Yeah. yeah. So um why
5: did you guys all say Wally before now? <laughs> uh, maybe I should get to my number I'll one first. Brady. Okay, my number one is Wally <laughs> bitch <laughs> um and and kind of like ratatouille it's it's this high because it's many things and it's all those things pretty much perfectly um obviously a, a, that opening as a silent film is one of the best like okay no offense to a recent best picture winner opening of wally is a far superior silent film to the artist mm-hmm. uh it's a great movie about the environment but you know what? It's critical. But what I really like about it is it's not cynical about humankind. Because what it really says is that the human beings in the earth need each other and need to actually have a nurturing relationship with each other. Like, they, you know, when either of them aren't doing what they're supposed to do to take care of each other, that's when we suffer, and that's when we lose our humanity. But the other big thing – sorry, I'm going way too long – is if someone years from now comes to me and says, what's so great about Pixar – I like that they have a very sly mission statement about their own value nestled in this film. Because what Mm -hmm. it's really about is we think of technology as something empty and dehumanizing. Lots of great movies, like The Social Network being one, are about how technology removes us from contact with one another. But this is a movie about a robot, essentially, who brings humankind back in contact with the Earth, with life. And that, to me, is kind of what Pixar is, too, is this Mm -hmm. idea that Technology uh, can be something warm and human. So, number one.
3: Okay, so my number one is Toy Story, just because that's the classic. That's the one that started it all. Nice. That's the one that I saw when I was a little kid, and I went, this is amazing! <laughs> and you know I don't know it, And I, it's still very fresh in my memory the whole story and everything that happens even though I haven't watched it in years Toy Story's cool it's so cool, it's Super cool. yeah school. and I guess yeah it's, it's fresh in my mind even though I haven't seen it in years and it was the first one and it's a classic and it's beautiful and it just sort of set the tone for excellence for Pixar for the rest of their filmmaking
4: mm, very good point um, my number one is Ratatouille. And no one else picked it for number one. <laughs> um, oh, uh, Brady was saying something about how it's like it did re- a really good job of showing, like, water. Was that Ratatouille Oh yeah. That did?
5: yeah. Well, the Incredibles were the first – that was the first breakthrough for water. But Ratatouille got both that and then fur, fur. for the rats. Right, right, right. Mm.
4: Um, so there's that. There were a lot of great technical achievements. But mainly it's just, I think – Patton Oswald is hilarious. Um, I think he really elevates that for me, as like having his voice performance um, in that really, really does uh, kick it up a notch. Um, <laughs> bam! Bam! I'm <laughs> on fire and I don't even know it. Um, and just, th- okay, I don't know how anyone can make fake food look that delicious. I love Ratatouille. It's my number one.
3: I want to see it.
5: All right, guys. Well, that is our top ten Pixar list. We're going to get back to the regular part of the podcast now. But if by any means you happen to be listening, uh, <laughs> send us your own list. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Bitch.
1: Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Carnivore Scouts. We hope you enjoyed that little segment of Rank It, which was much longer than usual. But, you know. Sometimes it's gotta be. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I, th- I think uh, I think Maddie had a little bit to say about this film on on the subject of disability in general. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely want to talk about how this film handled disability because it was very ambiguous and very confusing.
3: Yeah, so it starts out pretty ambiguous, and so I I like to reserve judgment on things. You know, I work with a lot of people with disabilities, and I sort of, like, I'm not a disabilities scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm sort of sensitive to the representation in the media, and so this movie has so much weird representation stuff in it i wanted to sort of withhold judgment until we got further along in and to see like what they were really doing with it and so there are all sorts of people with disabilities in this movie like he had the the main character the sort of like blue-eyed fake jesus dude um has a friend who is uh,
1: a how'd you guess his name what blue-eyed fake jesus dude that is exactly his name
3: is it (laughs) cool no um he, he has, he you know, makes this friend who is um, a person of short stature who also is either, uh, he looks like he's probably an amputee, I would guess, but it might be congenital defects, I'm not sure. Something like that. Um, so, yeah, they're like buddies, and I'm like, hey, cool, they're friends, that's nice, like, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. he, the, the guy sort of like rescues him from getting stoned to death by these strange children. Um, right. Which, which is great but then at the end of the movie when they're getting rid of all of their hang-ups or whatever like you do in a hippie movie um, it turns out that his friend is not actually a real friend it's like I don't know sort of this like weird almost like monkey on his back sort of a deal like the the prostitute who's been stalking him also has a monkey on her back kind of a thing and I just it just
1: He's also imaginary.
3: He's imaginary, and it just ruined it for me. You know, I was like, yeah. well, here's this character who could be interpreted in many different ways, and maybe he would be offensive to some people, but maybe he wouldn't be to others. It's sort of this gray area, and then all of a sudden he has to take this guy who turns out to be imaginary and throw him off a boat in <laughs> order to <laughs> achieve on. enlightenment. And I was just like, fuck that. that was That's yeah. terrible. I mean, that
1: is kind of upsetting. I mean, the the treatment of this film... With animals, the treatment of this film with kind of, you know, what's the right way. It's pretty
3: sketchy about children also. Yeah, you really have to to be an
1: able-bodied, kind of androgynous figure in order to be considered a real. With nice platform shoes. No, not even with nice platform shoes because they had to shrug all that. Like, you know, once everybody becomes uniform, they all shave their heads. They all look the same. They all have no tracksuits. They all have no Mm -hmm. cock actually, a lot of the time, like, um, people who are, especially the ones who are, who are more (laughs) masculine. No, no, the the more (laughs) masculine guys get castrated in their quest for enlightenment. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot about androgyny and it doesn't really support the idea of, um, someone being a disabled person. You have to be able-bodied and androgynous. Like that, that's the mold that that Mm. it kind of shows in its thing. And I I don't think it's actively trying to promote that. I think that's just the kind of narrow view of enlightenment that it was basically pursuing was like, let's make everybody the same and humble and this and that. And it didn't even bother to realize that, you know, maybe somebody who doesn't have any hands is more humble than somebody who is able-bodied but androgynous.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and then there I mean there are other characters throughout the the f- film too who, you know, aren't normally what you see in movies. And so I really like I appreciate the representation. Um and so part of me is like, "Oh wow, cool. There's like a character that seems pretty awesome who has a, you know, like a prosthetic leg, like a like a peg leg kind of a deal." Mm-hmm. And then there's the guy who like removes his eye and gives it to the girl and there's all this stuff that's just like not stuff you normally see in a movie that I think is really interesting to have be in a movie. But then,
1: it's exploitative. It's
3: it, it ends up being yeah, kind of exploitative, and then that and you so you're not sure if it's exploitation or if it's like an interesting representation. But then at the end, the clincher was oh, he has to throw his friend off of the boat. Clearly, it's exploitative. This person isn't taking these right. people seriously as human beings. He's not a person. He's, he's a monster. He's trying to make like a freak show. Yeah, which was kind of upsetting to me because I really like the visuals in the movie, and I think that they're gorgeous, and I think that they could be really wonderful, you know, representations of things that you don't normally see. But I guess the director was kind of insensitive.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting point
5: to chime in. Yeah, like I mean, because I, the idea of throwing a person off the boat, I thought maybe had some interesting meat. I even wondered if it wasn't even a critique on. Kind of the Christian obsession with saviors, and you know you need you need someone to save you, like there's this being, this enlightened being, and they save you, and it maybe it was like, forget that man, like everyone needs to find their own path, but what what puts me in the camp with Maddie is don't they actually call it it see, I'm so sorry, don't they actually call? the limbless disabled person a monster, they say throw that monster yeah, off the Yeah,
2: boat. they do.
1: No, yeah, no, they totally dehumanize and degrade like, the character. Like, not throw that
5: needless emotional tie right. off the boat, but they call <laughs> the limbless person a monster.
1: Right. Yeah, which, that's which, pretty which upsetting. I, I mean, I don't think that's the intention of the person. I think that's just the carelessness of, of the creator well, of the of the film Alejandro Jodorowsky. That's always
3: the problem with these sort of things is that like somebody is trying to really make a, a maybe a point that's good from somewhere within them but then if they're privileged enough to be making a movie like this then they're gonna be overlooking some things that they should probably be sensitive to. Well, yeah? I mean, it's also
1: 1973. Yeah, fuck yeah. the patriarchy. But, oh, okay, but here's another thing: is that <laughs> well, no. oh, okay. I, I think I think it's clear. I, I think it would be clear to say that if you were to bring that up directly to Alejandro Jodorowsky, he'd his his answer would basically be like, "But look, man, like what you are and what that guy is, it's just a shell of a thing, and it's not a re- like you know all the stuff that the film was delving into." Right. So the callousness and um, not really being sensitive to that sort of thing um, is basically not really being sensitive to this existence on this planet in this reality, which is
3: I I would argue against that. I I mean,
1: I would argue against that, too. I'm saying that this would probably be his defense if you brought that up, because he would be like, well, the whole look. You, me, you, me sitting in this chair. This chair isn't really there. Your body's not really there. That guy doesn't really have stumps and so forth and so on. (laughs) And so, I mean, that would be the, (laughs) that, (laughs) right.
3: (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's
5: bad enough he doesn't have his limbs. Now you're taking his stumps away, Rob.
2: (laughs) You, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying.
1: Yes, this yes, movie is about the existential belief in the fact that we are not really what we are and that anything yeah. uh, related to yourself or anybody else is something to be discarded.
2: Yeah. There's right. Also, I mean, so, I
1: mean, it'd be a hard you'd be hard-pressed trying to yeah. get him to it, it, get with you on that just, issue.
3: It's just, you know, it's a common theme for, like, movies like this that are trying to be outside of the norm and trying to make... People think about stuff and think about the world in a different way. Still, fall into a lot of like sexist and ableist tropes, and it's always sort of like a bummer for me. Oh, right, it,
1: it's shock value.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, oh, well,
1: but well, and I think that's why, uh, like Marilyn Manson, really loves this movie. He talks about it a lot in a bunch of different interviews. Uh, he talk, I think he talks about the work of uh, Jodorowsky as well. He's got a movie called El. Oh no, Hon- uh, It was the movie that brought him to the attention of uh uh beatles manager not brian epstein but uh late beatles manager you said his name i I said his name earlier Mm. alan something i forget his name um but anyway like he made a a film anyway this kind of thing is this kind of shock value is really what uh, artists like marilyn manson and, and i i would argue jodorowsky in general are into is like I'm going to shock you out of your frame of mind, which doesn't necessarily—it's It it's not a PC thing, right? Like, it's not it's not going to make you think better about disabled people, and it's not going to make you think better about sexism or racism or anything like that. It's just going to shock you out of your frame <laughs> of mind and show you something that, you know, is not— Considered a nice thing to show people. This
5: thing made me think about like half the 90s music videos ever made Mm. where you've just got (laughs) like a Metallica song playing and there's a cow with a halo and it's dragging a crucified pig behind it kind of thing.
3: (laughs) Oh, Alan Klein is the name of the Beatles manager who's not Brian Epstein. Yeah, that's right. Um, So, yeah, so, and, and you know, I'm just, and I'm not even like when I say talking about like sexism and ableism and stuff like that. I'm not even talking about being politically correct because I think you can be shocking and still address those issues like really effectively without being politically correct or whatever. Yeah, just you just have to try. You just have to try. Yeah, and I'm just
4: stop and think about what you're doing. Yeah,
3: and people just don't stop and think about what they're doing most of the time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I well, I think that's exactly the problem that you're voicing. Is yeah. that I d- Okay, it's, it's kind of I'm like...
3: Not, yeah, I'm not concerned about this movie being politically correct. I like it that it's messy and gory and confusing it, and it, baffling. Yes. like It's kind of like saying a show like The
1: Wire isn't inherently uh, sexist. Uh, what, sorry, is inherently sexist because it doesn't attempt to not be sexist. Mm. Or, or or any show. I mean, like The Wire is a good example of that that I've run across. But I mean, like I- anything that doesn't try to circumvent Uh, the system that is inherent in pretty much all the media that kind of reaches our ears and our faces and so forth and so on is basically going to fall victim to it.
2: Yeah,
3: and I I understand that. And I'm just saying, like, I just always get disappointed in movies like this that are so clearly trying to not be normal that they still fall into being normal in that way. Right. Um, Although, I mean, like, there are some, like, cool female characters in this movie, there's still a lot of like objectification of women's bodies, not and it's not from like an angle of like look at how society is objecting the objectifying these women's bodies. It's the director who's well like, Well there's a lot of look that look at these too. hot ladies. Mm-hmm. But well, I d-
1: no, no, no. There's a lot of look at how society society. No, there's so both. There's, there's both. Yeah, it's yeah.
3: actually it's less bad than it really could be. And also there's there's that like scorpion suited dude who is wearing an outfit that is usually <coughs> reserved for hot ladies in movies. Uh, and there's and a I lot really of objectifying of,
1: of men and male yeah. genitalia, etc. As well. Yeah, I, 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 think, it, I think it's pretty. I think it's more equal than society is on, yeah, on the part yeah, of sexism. Yeah, I think so. As I think as so. As a, as It's um, not as bad as it is. Compared to ableism, sure. absolutely not. But yeah. I mean, ableism wasn't really a thing at this point in time. It's true. And uh, it's I'm that wasn't not as saying much on the cultural radar. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it takes education in order, and it takes a, a certain number of years past the education in order for artists to kind of start to address that sort yeah. of thing in their work.
3: Definitely.
5: So what about? Wh- I feel like we haven't really discussed any of the planet scenes.
3: Oh, I I really liked them.
1: I didn't. <laughs> I was kind of uh, like by that part, I started to tune out. Extra. They were
3: they were a little didactic, I'll grant that, but as like little, sort of like imaginary universes, I thought they were interesting. I did notice
1: that Venus was a man and that Mars was a woman which was a twist. I mean, I think that was just done on purpose to be like, normally you think of women, (laughs) Venus, and Mars, man, but I'm going to switch it and the woman's going to be building the weapons of war. Ooh, what do you think of that?
3: And I did really like her psychedelic (laughs) weapons those were pretty great. oh that was great i mean like those were fantastic yeah i mean like all of the costumes and art direction and stuff in this movie are just so great
1: yeah and that and that was alejandro jodorowsky did the he was primarily the alchemist Mm -hmm. the set designer and the art direction oh really and then he would occasionally direct scenes i believe is is what i was reading
3: Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I, it's, like, I love all the little details, like, the outfits that people are wearing and, like, all of the different, like, strange technology and stuff that they use.
1: Yeah, you gotta wonder, like, <laughs> <how> <laughs> did he, did he go to a potato factory and be like, hey, can I throw a bunch of fucking effigies of Christ on your shit and take some pictures? Yeah. Or, yeah, like, like, what? Or, or like, did they just spend a shit ton of money
3: buying potatoes? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean, like maybe it was the se- it was like the seventies, so there was a bunch of record money pouring in from the Beatles. It was financed by Beatles managers, so, and and Apple Records uh, notoriously had some financial problems due to misallocation of funds. So maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe it was related. I don't know.
5: <laughs> in this day and age, could you like crowdsource potatoes? Like Everyone. <laughs> Everyone give me one potato. You they can were, spare it. They, they would you just, just spare CGI, it. It. Yeah. They would just CGI
3: the potatoes, yeah. probably. Yeah.
1: Everybody yeah. spare yeah. a bit. And, and I would use that one bit to create potatoes in CGI. Yeah. <laughs>
5: those potatoes look so fake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a question. In the Pluto segment, was that like an early Disney critique with those children with the mouse ears? I was wondering oh, was that? that.
3: Sure, sure yeah. Those were Mickey Mouse ears for sure.
5: That must have been super radical at the time. Well, I mean, this film was
1: hardly shown in theaters. and Like, by the way, 1972, so there was no home video. There was no, you know.
5: I mean, that's the thing. If I'm going to make one critique of the movie other than uh, tending to throw maybe a bit too much spaghetti at the wall, (laughs) is uh, some of the critiques I thought were, like, a little bit heavy-handed. Oh, super heavy-handed. I I laughed a bit at the Peru thing, even as I thought the idea was interesting. It was just... They went pretty far with no, the children attacking was, Peru. It was
3: really the, the planet sections were really heavy handed. Well, they were really ham fisted critiques. I, I think I think another culture, thing to note I though is like
1: them. we realize how heavy handed and like like you know fucking shock value and all this stuff this is, but you have to realize that this kind of pre predates shock value and it predates all that kind of stuff because this film got shown and maybe it cans for a minute until people went like yeah yeah whatever junk. Um Weird. and it got shown in a handful of theaters that, you know, he was able to... Yeah, like when... T- oh, go ahead, sorry.
3: 1973. No, but I was going to ask, like, when did Alice Cooper hit the scene, you know? Like, oh. you know, yeah, was it like, right. contemporary with this movie?
1: Maybe. I don't know. But, I mean, like, if you think about what <laughs> what the state of things was, like, the only way oh. you could show a video at home was to order an 8mm copy of it, like a, a, like a down... Um, what do, you, what do you call that when you take film and, and you reproject it and, and retell it onto a lower quality thing? I have no I'm idea. I'm the only one in this room who would know that, and I don't. So I don't know what that's called. <laughs> uh, down convert, whatever. Anyway, um, but you, you do have to realize that to do, to do something this radical and try and get funding and blah, blah, blah for this, you kind of do have to be over the top with it because the only way you're going to get any traction is people going like, you have to see this crazy shit I saw the other night. Right? Like, there's no, oh, okay, well, I'll download that or I'll rent it at the movie store. There's only, uh, I'll find a theater that's playing that and thus
5: go see it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I don't want to get us into a super tangent. But it's always one of the most interesting questions to come back to, is you know we throw around the word "dated" often as a critique. I don't uh, think
1: this is dated at all.
5: You don't think that maybe the the, the, the Mickey Mouse are a little critiques dated. have yeah. suffered a bit in the ensuing years.
3: Oh, I don't think the Mickey Mouse thing has. No, Mickey Mouse is still like. I mean, it's, I, I know. know I, it's
1: I think all pretty. the things that this film kind of does, at least in the first fifteen twenty minutes, the things that I'm very interested in. And like even the computer shit, um, in the uh,
3: in the Peru section, in the,
1: yeah, in the Peru section, the Peru
3: section is actually pretty salient today. I think even and if it is heavy handed, yeah,
1: it's it's heavy handed and it's over the top. But I think I don't think it's dated. I don't think it's like, uh, this all these all these things they're saying mean something in a different time. Don't mean anything now. I think that totally all means something now, and it all is something... I yeah, actually That's had no
4: idea the movie was as
2: old as it is. Right. And it
1: it, I, it feels newer. like a, maybe early 80s movie,
2: yeah, almost. Yeah, 80s. Yeah, I will That's say it's one it's thing it's going to date
5: itself. One thing that felt actually pretty modern was there was a segment on essentially creating workplaces that the worker would stay at, and we've seen that kind of stuff over like in China Google. now with the uh, Apple products.
1: Yeah, however, that... The no. workplace Maybe. is a little more dystopic
5: in the film well, than it is but, in but real life. But that dystopic workplace you know, exists now.
3: Yeah, it does. And also, like, that is a tactic. I mean, like, I know, like, working for Google is great, I've heard. But, like, people don't leave because you can eat lots of yummy food there all of the time whenever oh. you want. So it's people never have to go home. It, yeah, it's the
5: same way it was for Microsoft back then. the day. But that's, like, that's the nice Western equivalent. I'm talking about... Chinese yeah, people like who right. aren't BoxCon allowed to leave the office. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. have to sleep in a dormitory with four other people yeah. in between their work shifts.
3: Yeah, like that—that was that wouldn't have been even that heavy-handed if the sleeping spaces hadn't been shaped like coffins. You know? <laughs> right. That was that was the thing that really put it over the top. Like it was—it's sort of believable up until the point that like they're sleeping in a coffin. Yeah. Okay, I get it.
2: 16 tons and what, what do you do? get?
3: Another okay, day older, older and burdened.
1: Deeper. Deeper St. Peter, don't you call me Alright, I can't So, uh, go. <laughs> so uh, is there anything we want to say about this film? Because we don't really have a debate <laughs> as to what to do uh, next, next week. Because um, uh, we were going to do The Leopard this week, but we couldn't because we didn't have The Leopard and it was going to take far too much time to get it. So, um, we're going to do that next week. And we've already determined that. Um so pretty much we just wrap up by saying you know, what else do we got to talk about this film? Anybody else got anything to say or
4: I liked the machine the the computer that made a baby computer. <laughs>
3: oh, I really liked that too.
5: <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't like that.
2: I
3: loved I it. It was really I funny. Was funny. I also I like all of the the art like the wiggly midsection art was really funny like, I don't know, where they were walking through the art gallery and, like, there's... Like, I, I like, like that yeah, stuff a lot. Like, bodies, boobs and... Yeah, and, like, the butt stamp art. Butt
4: stamp art, yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: Like, and I don't want to <laughs> okay. negate what you guys are saying, but, like, I think this, for me, comes back to... This movie really is better when it doesn't say too much and doesn't put too fine a point on things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I definitely laughed at things like the Peru thing. Um, and I laughed at the baby machine and the butt stamp art compared to like kind of the primal, deeply ambiguous kind of stuff, which was like when it's just an imagistic thing that other stuff felt so just underlined to me by comparison. Hmm. And I think if the movie suffers, it's, it's just so much better as an imagistic film than a film actually trying to make coherent points.
3: I would agree with that. I just, I, I, that's I, where
1: I like to put it on at parties, yeah, in the background with no sound, no anything, just like it's just on a wall, and people go,
3: "What the what the fuck, fuck is going is on?" And I I I agree with you that I think like artistically the the beginning of the movie is much more successful than the second half of the movie, and and I think you know that's why a lot of us had seen the first bits of it at parties and then sort of had trailed off and not seen the end. Um, I just, I just personally like that stuff because I thought it was funny. Like, and I mm-hmm. like stuff that's themed on planets because of Sailor Moon. So, <laughs> <I don't laughs>
5: you know, but you might be right, Maddie, because uh, if any film needs moments of levity. I'd say it's the one with. Yeah,
3: it's really funny. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Rampant toad slaughter. (laughs) Yeah. Those poor toads got blown up. God. Yeah, I guess they eventually
1: got blown up. Like, I was going to say, there wasn't toad slaughter. They were just getting covered with blood. And I was like, oh, wait, then they blew them up. Then they blew (laughs) them (laughs) up.
3: Yeah. Um, You're like, oh, at least they're not killing the toads. Oh, wait. animals that were
4: crucified. They're they're dogs. Dogs. they dogs.
3: Oh those poor doggies. What if somebody did that to Pip? That would be terrible.
4: Maddie. <laughs>
5: he would hate that. <laughs> Wait a
1: minute. Now I know <laughs> what to threaten Pip with. <laughs>
3: he won't know what you're talking about. He's dumb. What he if I just take a anything.
1: stick and kind of like, you know, put it under and kind of oh, s- no, stretch him a little it. bit?
3: I i'm already
4: just, gonna have nightmares I know, tonight you i was guys. just
3: empathizing like i like the movie but i really do disapprove of the cruelty to animals
4: i mean
1: me too yeah what
3: an asshole i mean
1: i and i don't know for sure that those were totally all dogs i mean they could have easily been some sort of thing but i just well they're all I think it would be, mammals i think that, it would be e- well, e- easy yeah. no i mean they could have easily been um fabricated I don't think so. But I don't think so because I think it would have just been too easy to just do that to dogs.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think think that those were real carcasses for sure.
1: But, I mean, I don't know that he didn't get them from a a store that sells dogs (laughs) to to eat. eat. But
3: then people aren't eating them, and so that's a little bit, I don't know. Well,
1: I mean, they might have eaten them. After, they'd marched After they marched them through the street.
3: marched them around in the street, I sort of doubt it. They this is ridiculous, had and
4: paint. I don't want to talk about it. Okay.
1: Okay, well, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know.
5: All right, tell a joke so that we don't end on dog cadavers.
1: <laughs> hey, 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 dog cadavers. Oh, wait, fuck, I fucked that up. <laughs>
5: this is gonna be where that stupid I'm song gonna, comes in let's
3: <laughs> let's just think about the butt art everybody oh yeah right, butt art I, i'm thinking of butt stamp art
5: I'm
1: wait so are we ending we don't really have anything else to say or
3: let me saying gold
4: poop
1: exactly <laughs> thank you for that anyway one two three
4: and <laughs> here's the easy.
1: ending theme song
0: Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With
2: Brady and Rob